Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a brand new episode of FanDrag Sports Premier League Podcast with me, Sebastian Noren, and Elliot Niblock. Paulie is not with us today. He's hopefully on a plane. Yeah, I He's... think he probably is because, you know, texted earlier to our group text and he didn't respond. So Yeah, so we'll see. He He's uh, going on vacation to Florida. So hopefully he uh, was able to catch his flight. I know that was the bad weather in New York or was it in Florida? No, it was in New York, right? No, it's in New York. It's oh, the I, that winter storm. Boston's supposed to get like foot of snow. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, we had a little dusting here in Cincinnati last night. So had to scrape the card this morning. Yeah, it snowed all day here yesterday, but it's turned to slushy rain today and then we're gonna turn into a skating rink it's gonna drop down to like 20 degrees yeah i I, i'm just surprised you know with the big difference as far as temperatures go like one day we can be in you know like mid to high 50s and then the next day it's like 20 yeah um but hey that's living out east i guess living out east and living in the era of climate change yeah but (laughs) <laughs> thanks a lot obama <laughs> right everything's obama's fault now yeah, yeah. Uh, entirely yeah. that especially definitely definitely all obama yes it also, oh dear god it's also We're obama's die. <laughs> it's also obama's fault that arsenal have lost two straight games um so uh how will they fare in the early game on saturday against hull city that is the question because they do have a big game to think about midweek coming up in the Champions League. Yeah, but they're they're. I mean, well, okay. I say their minds can't be on that, but then again, their minds couldn't be on Chelsea against Watford, and I don't know exactly where they were in the first half of that match, but it certainly wasn't on the damn pitch. Yeah. Was, uh, so it's it's a game that I. God, I don't want to have to swallow my words on this one, but it's a game that I tentatively anticipate Arsenal to show up for. I mean, this is this is so classic Arsenal, though, is that they they choke, they skid, and then they show flashes of brilliance to just barely hang on to that fourth-place spot. And I think that's probably what they'll do this weekend and then get destroyed by Bayern Munich in the Champions League. Okay, so I was talking to a friend back home who's an Arsenal supporter, and he was of the complete different mindset. He was like, yeah, we're going to lay an egg against Hull, and then they're going to beat Bayern. You know, I could... And again, I can see that happening also, right? Because this Arsenal team is, you know, to put it in statistical terms, the standard deviation is huge in terms of the quality of their performances. And they have a lot of skill in this side. I think that with, now granted, you know, due to injury and suspension, it's hasn't commonly been a totally full strength squad. Although at this point in the season, you can't really expect that regardless, but the, you know, the, the center of defense reading up from the goalkeeper of Petr Cech, Koscielny and Mustafi, Granit Xhaka, that is as solid a defensive core as we've had in a long time. And with Nacho Monreal and Hector Bellerin on the wings as the fullback, I feel way more confident in the defensive setup of this team than I have of maybe any Arsenal setup in the last like six or seven years. Mm. However, that being said... There is, there's a certain, I don't know, I guess you'd have to call it a mental fragility about this side that lets them, I mean, they can just not show up for games or not show up for the first half of a game. And, and I, I've been really hesitant to, you know, to single out Arsene Wenger as the problem, but something's got to change. And when you see, when you look at a team that seems so solid defensively, that just completely breaks down when just one cog in that machine is missing, then it's, you know, there's there's something going on that I think is deeper than the quality on the team sheet because the quality on the team sheet is there. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I would have to agree with your friend. I, it's, I don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, I had a buddy in Boston who was an Arsenal supporter who used to describe himself on the pitch as the incredible dangerous man who could, you know, 
be terrible for 80 minutes and then score a brilliant bicycle kick. Mm. And that's kind of how I feel about this squad as a whole is that, you know, they've got a lot of skill. They've got world-class players, but they often just don't show up. So they could swamp Hull and then get crushed by Bayern, or they could lay an egg again and then show up and, you know, make their quality tell on the scoreline. But it's just, it's so hard to predict their results when they're in this kind of wobbly, tipsy-turvy form. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll touch more upon the Champions League in our next episode after the weekend. Uh, I got to talk to you about what Arsene Wenger said, though, because he, you know, has been under some criticism here after losing two straight league games. Um, But he wants Arsenal fans to be more like the Tottenham fans. Barf. Yeah. What do you think of Tottenham? I mean, yikes. Because, okay, let's say, uh, let's do a little quote here. All the other clubs everywhere we fight with, Man United, Man City, Liverpool, they have big expectations as well and big histories. We are in the fight there. We absolutely have to be united or we have no chance to do it. You have Tottenham. Everyone is in the fight and everyone is behind their team. We have to do exactly the same even if we had two disappointing results. Yeah, I, that's, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I just think that this is, this is a little bit of woe is me and the grass is always greener. And yeah. if you think the grass is greener at White Hart Lane, Arsene Wenger, you of all should, people should know that's not the case. Mm. Like <laughs> The perennial, it's happened again, combined with, the you know what is often described in the tabloids as the quote-unquote war chest at Wenger and Arsenal's disposal in the form of all of the funds that they have and the massive cash reserves they're sitting on no no like yeah the the expectations are high the pressure is high but I think he's he is dreaming if he thinks that other managers in the Premier League's perennial top five six clubs aren't under tremendous pressure as well and i think that he's also i mean i think that he's also got kind of blinders on to some extent in terms of the lack of silverware over the course of the last decade right i mean you know he got the monkey off his back by winning the fa cup then defended it and won it in back-to-back seasons that's great that is excellent but that was what i think I am not alone as an Arsenal supporter in hoping and even expecting was going to be the jumping off point, right? Like that was the launch pad we expected for title challenges. And in the last two seasons, both last year and this, we have had fantastic opportunities to challenge for the title. Granted, I, you know, Pauly thinks that the title is race has been concluded for ages and Chelsea's running away with it. Yeah, they are. But for much of this season, we've been right there in it. And we could have been even more in it, you know, had we not dropped points against Watford, right? If we'd gone into that game against Chelsea having closed the gap against them. Yeah. I mean, I I still don't feel like 9 points with 14 games to go is over, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I I tentatively have to agree with you on that. Um, but but my point my point is that like Arsenal still, I mean they just keep doing the same damn thing every year, and and I I, I said this on our last show in that I agreed with something that Paulie has said a number of times in the last year, which is that when Wenger goes, Arsenal will experience growing pains. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he should stay. No. But, and we're going to get to uh, this right now, because there was an article out today in the Mirror saying that there's four names right now on Arsenal's radar if Wenger would leave after the season. And you got Borussia Dortmund, uh, Thomas Tuchel. You got um, Massimi Miliano Allegri of Juventus. You got uh, Leonardo Jardim from Monaco, and you got Bayer Leverkusen's Roger Smith. Yeah, I mean, I think that 
for me personally, Thomas Tuchel is my number one choice, and I think the most likely candidate. Yeah. Um, I I, I think that. I mean. But I don't really see those growing pains if you bring in Tuchel or Allegri. Yeah. Okay. First of all, Allegri's not Allegri's not coming to Arsenal. I I I really don't think I don't see any I don't I don't see him arriving at Arsenal. Um, I mean, it's just why? Why <laughs> is my first question? Why he's he's seven points clear. In Syria, ah, right? Like, yeah. yeah, but what else can he really do there? I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I mean, I have to say as an Arsenal supporter that that's, I think that I don't have a lot of love for Syria, ah, as a league in terms of being a neutral observer, right? Like, like I would rather watch the Bundesliga or La Liga as kind of my second and third leagues after the premier league before I would watch Syria. So, but there's the, the grain of large grain of salt that yes, moving to the premier league is a much more competitive league. I think that, you know, most managers would want to try their medal there if they're, you know, a, an ambitious world-class manager, which yeah, admittedly, I think I agree. I agree is, but why, why would you why would you move to a club that seems to be perennially struggling to challenge for the title and crash out of the Champions League in the round of 16 when you are at a club that is progressing further in the European Cup and also at the same time dominating domestically it just does it doesn't make sense to me hmm. um now granted i know that you know money and all yeah, these I other mean, things are, Klopp, are Klopp went life, to liverpool uh, yeah, but he I he could have waited for a better job. Or he yeah. could have stayed at Dortmund. Yeah, I don't know. I but the thing about Klopp going to Liverpool is that that move carries a lot less pressure than Arsenal. And I don't by that I don't mean to, you know, like to talk smack on the quality of Liverpool as a club or to discount their legacy. I mean that purely from actually from what the the perspective of what Wenger is talking about from the perspective of pressure on the manager, mm-hmm. right? And the the shoes of an Arsene Wenger, the shoes of a Sir Alex, are tough to fill. But Liverpool had already kind of had their growing pains in terms of you know like finding a consistent manager to lead the club, yeah. and. You know, Klopp is certainly under pressure at the moment because Liverpool have been in terrible form. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I think that his job security is greater there than it would have been at Arsenal had he waited and come to Arsenal in the wake of Wenger's reign. Yeah. But I would, I would love Thomas Tuchel. I think that he's a more likely candidate than Allegri. But then again, I mean, what do I know? I don't know either of these men personally. I don't know what their ambitions or preferences are. So, And I mean, I didn't, you got to give it to uh, to Leonardo Yardin too. I mean, he's done a great job with Monaco. They're, right now, they're leading Liga 1 and, you know, they made it to the round of 16 in the Champions League. So... And they knocked us out of the round of 16 in the Champions League two years ago. So, yeah. so I mean, it's a, they've had a really good season. They've scored 70 goals in 24 games. Yeah. God, that is that is remarkable. That is I mean, really good. I, again, you know, speaking of the pecking order of quality in European professional soccer leagues, Ligue 1 is not anywhere close to the Premier League, but... That's more than 20 goals more than the top scoring sides in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, it's 23 more goals than what PSG has right now. We're in second. Well, that's very impressive. So, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. And, you know, unless... I don't even know if we'll get a definitive answer before the season ends, if he's going to stay or not. Oh, I I think we will. I don't know that we'll get a definitive answer. I don't know if we'll get a definitive answer much before, say, I don't know, like the 
three weeks before the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it could be cut as close as before the last Arsenal home match. Okay. But I, I don't think that either he or the club or even, you know, even the fans. And I, I touched on this last week of the, the, the most vitriolic of the Wenger out element of the Arsenal fan base, like truly kind of disgust me just because I think that they both are, you know, they see red a little too much and kind of are a little bit missing the point of what being a supporter of a club in any sport means or can, and maybe even should mean, but also they just have short memories. Right. But the Arsenal fan base on a whole, the club itself Wenger himself personally, it's in all of their best interests to be able to give him a send off at the Emirates. And he deserves that. I mean, even, even as I've been saying that I think maybe it's time for a change, I would be, yeah, I would be content, maybe even happy to see him go, even though I have a lot of respect for him as a manager, you know, it would be, it would be a shame if he had anything less than a hero's send off because much of his time at, you know, at Highbury first and the Emirates later was truly heroic. You know, his achievements are literally unparalleled in many respects. Mm. Mm. Uh, let's take a look at from the Hull perspective. They are battling for survival. They uh, got a nice win over Liverpool, 2 nothing last game. Before that, they had a scoreless draw away to Manchester United. So things definitely looking up for Hull. Um, well, and and also, if they can manage to pull off this upset against Arsenal as Watford did, they will, no matter what, be out of the relegation zone because Swansea play Leicester on Sunday, mm-hmm. who are the two clubs, we should say, ahead of them in the table, yes. just barely out of the relegation zone. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that would be, I mean, picking up results. I mean, even if they would pick up a draw in this one, it would be good for them. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. then you got you picked up points against United, you won against Liverpool, and then you get something out of a game away to Arsenal. That would be phenomenal. Because going into those three games, you're like, if we get away with one point, we would be happy. Yeah. I but you know, and I mean, look like, at their schedule. I mean, that's just brutal. By the way, they play Chelsea, then they play United, then they play Liverpool, then they play Arsenal. Yeah, it's. But they—I mean—they've acquitted themselves well. I feel like, you know, speaking of platforms for future success on a slightly smaller scale, they're even though they are still in the relegation zone now, um, the first six weeks, especially if they can get anything from this game, the first six weeks of this calendar year, they have, re- I think, really set up at least a relegation battle, right? Mm-hmm. And it's—I'm. I mean, boy, between, you know, from 15th to 20th place is two points. And that's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an exciting relegation battle. Even if, as you know, you were just saying the title race is over, the relegation battle certainly is shaping up to be, uh, you know, a battle royale at this point. Okay. So this is just a quirky little thing that I found here. Uh, okay. Marco Silva, the new home city manager, uh, he banned Apple Crumble from the uh, team <laughs> restaurant or the canteen or whatever you want to call it. So no, it was, it no was a previous more, staple, I guess. <laughs> no more Apple Crumble for the Hull players. And here are some other weird things that managers have banned. So Claudio Ranieri, he banned chicken burgers for the lesser players. Weird. Pep Guardiola has banned pizza for the city players. That makes more sense. Antonio Conte has banned ketchup and uh, HP sauce. Wow. That's weird. Jurgen Klopp has banned eggs. That is extremely strange. No egg days shortly before matches. But... Well, I mean, both like the the Rainieri and the Klopp bands make very little sense to me because, I mean, you know, yeah, okay, eggs have some cholesterol, but it's high in protein, and chicken is an especially lean protein. Like what? <laughs> yeah, 
David Moyes, French fries during yeah, his time again. as United. Wenger, Mars Bars. Uh, okay, also makes sense to me. Uh, <laughs> okay, so Paolo Di Canio when he was... <laughs> Okay, when he was at Sunderland, uh, mayonnaise, coffee, mm. and singing in the shower. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I, I'm guessing that last one was not a performance-enhancing incentive. <laughs> no, I, I mean, wow, that's that's a good one. And he lasted all of what five games. <laughs> so oh well yep. so that's some fun little curiosa for you yeah, um, so yeah so we'll see what Hull can do against Arsenal uh, moving on though uh, midday games on Saturday we got West Brom traveling to the London Stadium to take on West Ham uh, they're neck and neck in the table West Ham in ninth. no, no uh, they're not oh well I mean West Ham in ninth. West Brom in eighth. There is a five-point gap between them. Yeah, five-point gap and also a, like, 14-goal difference in terms of the differential with West Brom being plus three and West Ham being minus nine. Yes, their defense has not been up to snuff, although it has been a little bit better if you take away the 4 nothing smashing they received from City. Um, I but, I mean, West Ham... Playing well since Paye, you know, again, take away that Man City game because they were horrible in that one. But they got, you know, three wins in the last five. They beat Crystal Palace 3-0, Middlesbrough 3-1, and then last game in a way win to Southampton 3-1. And um, Mark Noble saying that life at West Ham has become happier since Paye left. Well, yeah, I mean, but that that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. But that's also happier with an asterisk, right? That's that's like saying that we just went through this terrible grieving process after the loss of a family member, and then went to a restaurant and saw that our favorite dish was the lunch special. Mm-hmm. Like because so West Brom and West Ham, I think, are both going to be roughly eight nine. 10 when the season ends right they're going to be similar places on the last match day as they are going into the 25th match day but the main difference being if you know west brom is probably thrilled to be an eighth and west ham and their supporters have to be quite disappointed to be ninth and i think that the frustrations that they've seen with the season the growing pains of trying to make a new stadium their home have you know it's ruffled a lot of feathers so i i don't think that mark noble is ascent is necessarily wrong i think in fact he's probably correct that after dimitri pai had left that there's a certain kind of weight lifted off the shoulders of a lot of the west ham players um but that's because their talismanic player who had lifted them to heights and then raised expectations last season that many of us hadn't anticipated that like those expectations were high and they were failed to be met. And so he understandably was especially frustrated. So I think that, I don't know. I, again, Mark Noble, it might not just be blowing hot air in terms of the feeling in the locker room, but I also think that if I'm a West Ham supporter, I'm still sad to see him go because Dimitri Payet is an electrifying player. Yeah, I mean, yes, no doubt about it. He's a really good player. They got a poor man's version in in, uh, Robert Snodgrass, uh, who I think can do a very good job for them and won't rock the boat like Payet did. So, uh, and then freaking Andy Carroll finding some form too. Yeah. He's actually pretty good when he's healthy. Yeah. You know, we got to give it to him. He might sport a abominable cornrow man bun, but <laughs> you know, he, 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 he's a decent soccer player. Yeah. But I mean, 
the decent 35 million pound soccer player. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's true. Uh, yeah. You spoke about West Ham's home, uh, you know, making a new home at the London stadium. They're 15th. If you look at the home records of the sites, they got five wins, two losses, or no, what am I saying? Five wins, two draws and five losses. So 15th, not very good. They've only scored 12 goals in 12 games at home. While allowing twenty, yeah. yeah, I mean they're they're just still struggling to make life like it was at the Boylan Ground. Boylan Ground. What was the other? We talked about this. It's the Upton their, Park. Yeah, up. But it was Boylan Ground at Upton Park, yeah. right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so strange. Yeah. West Brom. Yeah. They're got the ninth best away record: three wins, four draws, and five losses. And they don't score a lot away from home. They only have 10 goals in 12 games away from home. Yeah. I, this is this is a game that I think, you know, speaking of form, right, I think that, you know, West Brom will be perfectly happy to take a draw. West Ham will be frustrated, but it won't be quite as bad as, you know, all the games that they've lost at home. And then ultimately they'll both stay the course in their mid-table finishes with West Brom fans being quite happy and West Ham fans being rather discontent. Yep. Yeah, I agree. We'll see what we'll predict later on here. Then the, the late game on Saturday, that's, um, I mean, the big one, if you just look at it on paper. Liverpool taking on Tottenham at Anfield. Uh, Spurs sitting nine points behind Chelsea. Liverpool dropped out of the top four with their loss against Hull. And, you know, they have three draws and two losses in their last five games. Yeah, they're... What what happened? Boy, I bet bet Jurgen Klopp wishes he knew exactly what was happening because they are just, just terrible. Yeah, you got two two, I mean, two two draw against Sunderland, one one draw against United. Then you lose three two at home against Swansea. Then you drew one one Chelsea, and then you lose on the road against Hull. Yeah, I mean, there. I, I was saying earlier that Arsenal's form has a huge standard deviation, but it's still even larger at Anfield. Um, I mean, this is this is a game that I think if you're a Tottenham supporter, you have to fancy Spurs in, but nonetheless. I mean, Liverpool could still hit him for four goals. Um, I but, I mean, I think it's weird, too, because they don't they only have to focus on the lead. They don't have European soccer to think about. Yeah. And looking at their schedule, too, it's crazy. They have so they play the game against Tottenham. Then they don't play again until February 27th. Yeah, God, that is such a long break. Yeah, they got sixteen days, and that's. I, I wonder if that might actually end up working against them. I don't know. And I mean, of, and apparently, but who it, knows? It could become even. Uh, let's see. Okay, so with Leicester moving on in the FA Cup, if they would play, if they would have to play a replay game in the next round, in the fifth round, then it could be twenty-one days. Without a game for Liverpool. Man. Yeah. God, that's... I mean, that is where you start to worry about, okay, are we are we losing our chemistry, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, three weeks off is a long time. Yeah, I mean, even that 16-day period is just crazy. They could schedule a couple of friendlies, I guess, but... I mean, yeah. I mean, and, there, really. Yeah, I... I that That's... I feel like that is that 16 day gap. And we can talk more about this when we're actually in that gap itself. But I think that Jurgen Klopp's tenure at Liverpool this season will in many ways be defined by that Mm -hmm. because they've been with the exception of the draw against Chelsea, you know, taking points off of the team that looks for all the world to be the eventual champions, you know, good on you. Well done. Then immediately losing to a relegation threatened side at home they they really need to regroup, and especially if they lose to Tottenham yeah. again. But I mean, home, do you do then? Like I I know this is last minute, but I mean, do you go take like a little mini training camp? Like you go over to Dubai oh, or something? 
at, well, no, no, you don't go to Dubai. But yes, the, the answer is, do you, do you take a mini training camp? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Where would you go? Marbella, Spain. Somewhere <laughs> warm. Not... You got to go somewhere warm. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, even the south of Spain isn't that warm in early February, but it's warm, warmer than Liverpool is, that's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, but I, I do think that that kind of both – you know, team building, chemistry building, and constant training together of a training camp would be a good idea. But I'm also Jurgen Klopp, and I don't know his players as well as he does. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll see. I mean, but but regardless whether he decides to implement some sort of training camp or not, then I still think then how he how he manages his team in those 16 days is going to be crucial for you know how they finish the season first of all and uh, you know it it might even be crucial for whether or not he keeps his job at the end of the year because if they continue this kind of form even though he's i mean was there did he actually sign a new contract or were there just rumors of that i don't remember let me look real quick what he has but i mean and let's talk about this too so also in the mirror today um, they say that he's going to go back to Loris Karius after, you know, Simon Mignolet didn't really <laughs> have the best game against Hull. Um, but they need a new goalkeeper. Yeah. And, they, they you really know, do. they might actually go, it says here that they might actually go after Joe Hart. Yeah, no, I mean, they. I, that's the first name that sprang to my mind. Because, I mean, I don't see Joe, Joe Hart ever getting back playing for City. Yeah, I I wouldn't go quite that far, yeah. but uh, never, never say never, right? Yeah, um, yeah he I did sign... the goalkeeping position. Yeah, he signed a six-year extension in July. In July, that's yeah, right. So he's got a contract until 2022. But if I mean, it, but something's got to change, right? Yeah. Because well, I mean, he needs another summer transfer window. Yeah, because he needs but... to find he needs to find another center back that's actually good. Because um, you can't play Lucas. That that's just that's even worse than starting Fellini. And you got to find a proper left back. You can't play with James Miller as your left back, and you need a a solid goalkeeper, like an actual good goalkeeper you know i so i mean i agree with you in terms of all those squad changes but because i feel like that has such a such a big influence on the team just that like back line having a solid goalkeeper that sort of you know permeates throughout the whole team well yes although with arsenal that's exactly what i was talking about that i expected to see a new solidity given the you know the confidence that I have in those players and haven't seen that come to fruition. But regardless, the what so just hypothetically, the scenario that I'm going to give you is not it's not unthinkable given Liverpool's current form. And that scenario is that arch rivals Manchester United, who are currently only one point behind them, yes. overtake them. Yes, yes. Local like rivals this. Everton, who are six points behind them, larger gap. But mm-hmm. Everton is in better form than Liverpool. Much in the better last form. Game. Four wins in the last five. If both Man U and Everton, who are respectively six and seven behind Liverpool in fifth, overtake Liverpool and Liverpool finish the season in seventh, which, with both of those clubs ahead of them, that I mean that is as disgraceful, uh, terrible run of form as I think any supporter at Anfield could imagine. It sounds right? amazing to my ears. <laughs> well, yes, I am loving this idea. I'm I mean, it's, loving it's this similar idea to the dream scenario of what Tottenham did last year, yeah. which, from Arsenal's supporters' point of view, uh, gosh, that was my goodness. Yeah. Apologies to any Tottenham supporters out there, but mm-hmm. it was it was almost it did seem preordained in the level of that collapse. Yeah. And Liverpool would have to have a similar collapse, I think, for that to happen. Certainly, with Everton to overtake them. But at the same time, their form is so poor. Yeah, but I, but again, and this is why I say that this, 
you know, this string of off days will define Klopp's season in many ways because I can really see them just turning it around and tearing out the gate and, you know, maybe even overtaking Arsenal uh, in the subsequent matches after the cup breaks. So we'll, we'll see. But if they can, if they continue this run of form, that is a very realistic scenario. Oh yeah. I don't think that they will with the return of Sadio Mane and the return of Coutinho. Like Coutinho, Firmino, Mane, those three players alone have shown us that they can combine for uh, both, you know, a, a sense of, physical presence in the midfield while also brilliant attacking creativity. And even without a decent goalkeeper, they're still in fifth place because they're scoring just a boatload of goals. Yeah. But I mean, lo- looking a little bit at their schedule here. So like we said, they play Spurs on Saturday, then Leicester away the 27th. Then they got Arsenal at home, Burnley at home, Man City away, and then Everton at home. So I mean, they have some tricky fixtures in there. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, I, I would say that games where I would expect them to win would be away to Leicester and at home against Burnley. Yeah, and then they usually do pretty well at home in the derby against Everton. But yeah. I mean, Man City away, Arsenal at home is not. That's not an easy game. No, I mean, <laughs> I I think that. Yeah, I mean, I think that they are. They yeah they but also in some ways I feel like Seb, what you're saying is kind of. It, it is. Uh, it's it's just galvanizing my conviction when I said that those 16 days will, in many ways, define Klopp's season, not in and of themselves, but mm-hmm. how they are reflected in the subsequent fixtures, yeah. especially because so many of them are indeed yeah. tricky games. I mean, they, they can't blame fatigue, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving over to Sunday. Uh, Swansea against Leicester. Uh, we mentioned it before but I mean pretty important game here they both sit just one point above the drop zone Um, Leicester in awful form they got four straight defeats here whereas Swansea have battled their way out of the relegation zone they have three wins in the last five narrow loss against Manchester City last weekend uh, yeah, in a, in a game where they can be pretty proud of how they played, actually. I mean, it, it was heartbreak for them losing that late. But you gotta. I mean, I'm. I've been saying for the last few weeks. I still think that the Foxes are going to pull it out. I still think that they're going to avoid the drop. But you got to be a little worried if you're a fan at the King Power Stadium. And again, you know, Paulie's been banging this drum for ages and I don't think either of us have really ever even been disagreeing with him when he has been but that Leicester fans you know even if you told them they were going to be relegated in 2017 if you told them they were going to lift the trophy in 2016 they would say yeah we'll take that with both hands yeah, of course probably but but I I do think that there's some legitimate concern of okay well this team faces the drop when they slip into the relegation zone, if they do, is that, you know, is that going to be such a demoralizing blow in the locker room that they can't spring out of it? Or is it going to be a fire under their asses that makes them realize, oh, wait, we're much better than this and that they're going to play that way? I mean, maybe. I, I think that the, it was really important for them to get a win against Darby here in the replay of the FA Cup. Yeah. Yeah, and they, I mean, that went to extra time, yes. but then in extra time, they, you know, pulled away and won at 3-1, but mm-hmm. still, it's, they're, it's nervy times at the King Power, but nervy times with, as Polly pointed out, the <laughs> pleasantries of gloating of, yeah, we, we won the league last year. Yeah. We mm-hmm. won the league. And Didi and Gray scored an extra time for them, and Gray did a really good job on his goal, and that is a player that 
you know, Renier might want to throw into the starting lineup against Swansea because yeah. he can actually well, I mean, do something. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that he is one of the few players who won the league with Leicester last year who had been with them back when they were in League One. Uh, I mean, because he's been with the team forever. Uh, let me see. I, I'm pretty sure he was the only player who had been with them. No, Maybe West that's Rogers. Andy King. Andy King. All yes. right, excuse me. Yeah, Gray came uh, this summer, I want to say, or last summer. Let me see. Uh, they signed him. Yeah, I, I was confusing him with that. Yeah, they signed him in January last year. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, he, he's a player that can actually break the mold a bit. Um, so, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, tough game for them. Swansea, been playing a lot better under Paul Clement. Um, you know, I, I did have some question marks regarding him since he's, you know, mostly only been a assistant coach uh, or assistant manager at many places. I mean, his resume looks good, you know. Chelsea assistant manager, PSG assistant manager, Real Madrid assistant manager, but Bayern Munich assistant manager. But I mean, when he was at Derby, they were crap. So, but he's gotten a good start here with Swansea. Yeah, I I'm <laughs> still feel a little bad for Bob Bradley. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Yeah, but he had them. Pl- I mean, he he shouldn't have been hired at all. I mean, really, it, they did not do their proper research in terms of like what the what do you think the board expected from him and what his style actually is. Yeah, because mm. I mean, Swansea is. I mean, for a long time, they've always been playing pretty expressive football, and. They've been a fun team to watch. Yeah. And Bob Bradley was just, I'm going to try and just grind out points here. Yeah. He's, he's not quite as curmudgeonly in his footballing style as Tony Pulis, but they're of the same ilk. Yeah. So that, that was just a weird hire. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it is what it is. And, uh, we wish Bob Bradley, all the luck in the world, wherever he may end up. I don't know where he'll end up. Maybe, yeah, I really, I in, really have no idea. Maybe He's been all back in the place. MLS. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I. Oh God, U.S. U.S. soccer just makes me almost as sad as U.S. politics. That's not true. Yeah. But it's it's almost. actually. They they just both makes make me sad. Yeah. One makes me far more sad than the other. Yeah. No, I saw. Uh, I, I actually side tangent here, but I saw. I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday. Um, the local club here, FC Cincinnati, playing in the USL. Mm-hmm. They've sold ten thousand season tickets already. Dang. Ten thousand wow. season that. tickets. That's incredible. I mean, I know that yeah. they 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 are one of the clubs that are hoping to get, you know, expansion to the MLS. And they definitely have the fan base for it. They that's great. Pro- I mean, that's... They need a proper stadium, though. Yeah, well, but, you know, the the support is what matters most, I feel, because before the Timbers were promoted to the MLS, I mean, they had support for ages, and their stadium was, you know, not <laughs> not exactly up to MLS standards, either figuratively or literally, but... Still, it was the, you know, it's the the fan base that makes a club in many yeah. ways. Yeah, and then I saw, what else did I see? Uh, we're going off on tangents here, but I saw uh, Omar Bravo signing for Phoenix. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. well that's good cool. luck to him. Yeah, kind of cool. Kind of cool. Okay, last game that we'll touch upon. That's Monday's game between Bournemouth and Manchester City. Bournemouth, pretty bad form. They're down in 14th place. They have three losses and two draws in their last five. Eddie Howe sort of dropped off the next Arsenal manager talk. Good. Yeah, I mean, I, he's uh, not he's, ready. No, he's, he's, he's really not. And I also think that 
I, yeah, I, I think that Arsenal are going to hire from abroad, and I think that they probably should. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to a club like that with that pedigree, I feel like you need to pick someone who's been at a big club before, who has, yeah. you know, experience from the Champions League, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I know that Eddie Howe is probably you know going to be a very good manager and he's probably going to go on and good do very good things but he's still very he's, young. He's, yeah he's already done great things i mean yeah. i don't you know when i say i don't want him on arsenal's shortlist for manager i don't also don't mean to discount his quality as a manager i mean i think he's a great manager yeah. and I, I i actually think that despite their recent poor form bournemouth can get something from this game yeah. Because in a similar way to Liverpool, just City aren't great at the back. They're not a reliable defensive team. They don't have a great goalkeeper. They had a good one, and then they shipped him off. Well, now, I mean, now they've gone with Caballero, and he's done well. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's better than Bravo. At least it's stopping I'll, I'll, shots. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah. But he's not... He's not I don't think that he is. He's not one of the test better than Simone Mignolet. No, he's even. not one of the ten best. No, no. I mean, yeah, I, I so... feel like there's, you know, in that sense, Chelsea are spoiled because you got oh. Courtois, who is top five in the world, and then you got Begovic, who would be a starter for he's... like twenty different Premier League sides if you wanted to. Definitely. Uh, wait, wait, what? Yeah. Did you, he would be a starter for 20 different Premier League yes. sides? Yes. All of them. Everyone takes yes, him. Yes, exactly. Even over Dea. Yeah, now, but I would put him in Liverpool. Oh, yeah. I I think that, I mean, I, I, I hear the spirit, even if I disagree with the letter yeah. of what you're I mean, saying. it's not 20, it's, but let's say 10. Yeah, yeah, I would I would say that roughly half the teams in the Premier League would be yes. happy to have him between the sticks exactly. over their current number yes. one. Yeah, 20 would be all teams, so that's just wrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. Mm. I don't know. I mean, City, they looked really good in that game against West Ham. I know they had they some did. troubles against Swansea. But... Yeah. They, they did. I. But that I was at home, have... and they've been weirdly bad at home yeah they've been eking out those I mean they only got two to one win over Burnley too at home yeah I I think like I said I think they can get from something from this game that doesn't mean that they will that doesn't mean that I will even predict that they do mm. but they're they've been playing below themselves in a way that I still think that they can come back from. And it's, you know, similar to Liverpool in that sense. Yeah. And that Liverpool's form hasn't really, I think, proven to anyone that they should anticipate Liverpool taking points off Tottenham, even at home. But they've just got, they've got the quality that they can. And I think that that's still true of Bournemouth, even despite their also recent poor form. Yeah. So it seems that Guardiola might, be putting both Gabriel Jesus 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 and Sergio Aguero on the field from the start at the same time that seems insane in such a good way <laughs> like they might just I mean they could just pummel Bournemouth I mean, Bournemouth, they shipped six goals against Everton. Yeah, I... It, but, I mean, it seems it seems weird to me. And in some ways, it also strikes me as almost disrespectful of the FA Cup insofar as there is an FA Cup match in a few days. Like, why, not, why don't you just save one of them from that instead of throwing both of them on against Bournemouth. <laughs> oh, that would But, be great. I mean, they also got Kelechi and Acho, who's still good too, so. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that if if we see both Gabriel Jesus and uh, Sergio Aguero this weekend, then you've got to expect 
bet that it's going to be Ihanacho who plays at Huddersfield uh, on the 18th. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Huddersfield. Yeah, they, yeah. they should. Be. And they still have a week. So. Although they are doing pretty well. They're fourth in the championship. Yeah. I mean, they, obviously Man City should still wipe the floor with them, but you never know. Yeah. Uh, Leeds in fifth. Come on, let's get up there, Leeds, so we can beat you and send you back down. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Aston Villa in 14th. God, they're bad. They're so bad. So Gosh. Bad. Blackburn is actually in the relegation zone right now. Oh, are they? Yeah. Huh. They're a club that I would also like to see get back up to the Premier League. Um, QPR, 19th. <laughs> Cardiff, oh, 17th. Nottingham, 15th. Yeah, maybe we need to do a little championship special here. <laughs> take a little, take the temperature of the championship. Newcastle doing their thing though. They're gonna bounce back. Be, oh, Newcastle. Yeah, good, good. It would be good to have Rafa back. Rafa's always entertaining. Yeah, and also it would be kind of vindication for him for staying there if they bounce right back. Oh up. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, let's get into our scoring predictions. Um, heading into this match day, we got Elliot sitting at the top, 168 points. Paulie's second, 160. And I'm last with 148. So I need another good week here. I need to gain some more points on Paulie. Yep. I just want to get ahead of Paulie. That's all I want. That's all I want. <laughs> That's fine to me. Giving me so much grief here. So well, for... and like I said, mathematically, like you, you know, it is the twelve-point gap that you face between Paulie is not impossible to make oh, up. Oh no, no, it's, it's not. It's just not statistically likely. No. is all. Yep. Okay, so first out, Arsenal against Hull. Paulie's already put in his picks. So I'm going to read them off first. He predicts one-one. So he a little upset there. The little egg, just a small egg. Yeah. No. A a, what were those called? The um, oh, I'm blanking. The little bird egg. Uh, uh, You know, you get no, no, really fancy restaurants. You get a. Oh. I have no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh come on, they're tiny birds. Oh, Rob, Robin, quail egg. Oh, quail eggs. (laughs) Thank you, quail egg. Uh, I'm gonna go one nothing Arsenal. I I think so, that's enough. Well, they got enough. With the nah, with the caveat that I also think I I also think that your friend back in Sweden could be correct in terms of Arsenal, you know, chip the bed against Hull and then come out guns blazing against Bayern. I don't I think it's gonna be the opposite way, and I think that Arsenal are gonna win this game three one. 3-1, okay. Mm-hmm. So, at least we're picking different than Pauly. That's That's got to be the thing here now. You know? Or get that scoreline on the money. Middlesbrough against Everton at Riverside. Pauly predicts 2-0 Everton. Um, I mean, that's, that's a pre- I feel like that's a pretty good bet. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel the same way. I don't know. I had... I'm just wondering right, if I'm... they're going to keep on banging in goals like they did against Bournemouth or if that just, you know, they kind of burnt all the powder, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah, yeah, totally. And also, despite, despite Middlesbrough sitting in 15th, they've got a pretty stingy defense. You know, they've yes. only allowed 27 goals this year. Yeah, let's but I'm... see. Their home form, not good, though. But like you said, um, in 12 games, they have three wins, three draws, six losses. They've scored 11 goals, but they've only allowed 14. Yeah. I... I'm going to go one, I'm gonna... one nothing Everton. Yeah. I'm I'm going to play defense and just go the same as Paul and say 2-0 Everton. Okay. I don't think... That, they're certainly not going to score six this week, but... No. Then we got Stoke against Crystal Palace. Uh, Paul is going 2 nothing Stoke. I'm going 
two two. I I'm gonna say I think I think I'm gonna go with the no, same. I'm, I'm going one one. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. No, mm. not there. No, nope. Crystal. I I don't see Crystal Palace getting anything from this game. Uh, I'm gonna go. No, I'm gonna go with the same scoreline that I did uh, for the Arsenal match. Three one Stoke City. Okay. I mean, it's tough to say. Stoke have been not particularly good. No, they've been they've been all over the place. But also, I think that Crystal Palace have been actively bad. That is. I true. mean, they got they got smacked four nil by. Sunderland. Yeah, that is. Oh God. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Well, now I gotta go with Stoke then. God damn it. <laughs> One nothing Stoke. Damn it. Okay. Sunderland, Southampton. Pauly going two to one Southampton. This one I'm gonna go one one. Yeah. Uh... I mean that four nothing win, Sunderland, they gotta be over the moon with that, given some momentum. They had a good scoreless draw against Tottenham before that. South I... Southampton not very good form. They got four losses and one win. Yeah, but I I think they're due to bounce back. But I'm not. Oh boy, man! Yeah. If, if this ends up being two one and South ha- and Paulie like takes a three point oh, leap on me, gonna, I'm so pissed. Yeah, he's gonna let you hear about it too. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you, Seb. I'm gonna say one one. Okay. That's going to be good. We're both going to sit and keep an extra eye on that game. West Ham, West Brom, Pauly, 1-1. Bastard. Yeah, I'm going with with Pauly on this one. Okay, I got to be different here. I got to be different. I'm going to go 2-1, but I don't know for which. No, 2-1 West Brom. Let's do it. Salomon Rondon, come on. (laughs) Salomon. Uh, Manchester United against Watford. Polly going two nothing. Man U. I mean, yeah, that seems pretty logical too. Yeah, I'll give him. I, I'll I, give him one more. I'll go three nothing. No, I'm I'm going two nil. Slatan Hattrick. <laughs> Let's do it. He's so good. Thirty five years old. So good. So good. Okay, then Liverpool, Tottenham. Polly's going 1-1. I'm going 2-1 Spurs. I uh, think uh, Liverpool are going to keep being bad. I, you know, Tottenham don't allow many goals, but I think that Liverpool are going to start to put it together. I still don't think that they're going to come away with the win 2-2. 2-2, okay. Burnley, Burn, Burn, Burnley. They've been good at home. They're good at home. Turf Moor. Chelsea coming to visit, though. Paulie's going one nothing Chelsea. That that seems conservative to me. It does. Um, uh, I'm going 3 nothing Chelsea. I'll split the difference and go 2-0, Chelsea. Boom, there we go. There we go. Just look at Burnley going to take the win here. Yeah. Uh, Swan- <laughs> Fine with me. Yeah. Swansea, Leicester, 2-2. Paulie says... I'm going two one Swansea. Leicester still haven't won away from home, so yeah, I'm not gonna bet on them. I man, shit. I I think either you're <laughs> right or it's gonna be one one. Yeah. I'm gonna go one one. Okay. I just got to be a little bit different here by Paulie. I, that's sort of what I got in. I got to play the game here too, you know. Yeah. Uh, Bournemouth, Manchester City is last game. Paulie's saying 3-1 City. Uh, That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I, I said that I think that Bournemouth are going to make a game of it and maybe take points off City. I'm not going to give them the win, but I'm going to give them another goal and say 3-2. Okay. Manchester City. 3-2 City. I'm going 2-0 City. 
I think uh, Caballero is gonna keep a clean sheet. Just see them start Bravo, and then I'll eat my words. But whatever. <laughs> okay, so that's it for our scoring predictions. Final thoughts before we say goodbye. Yeah, uh, my final thoughts will come from stateside as the uh, tapped for greatness young talisman turned kind of spoiled meat. Freddie Adu failed with his trial with the Portland Timbers and was not offered a contract um, after he and he still holds the record as both the youngest professional athlete in the United States to be given a contract and also the youngest player to debut for the United States men's national team. Um, how, I think, how old was he? He was like 14, 15? He was 14 when he was given the contract and he was like 16 years and 200 some days when he debuted for the national team. And he's 27 now. Yeah. Man. No, he's, he's older than that. No, he's 27. No, he can't be. He's got to be older than that. No. Really? 20, yeah, he's 27. Wow, man. Oh, that makes me even sadder. I thought he was at least 30. Woof. But, I, I, you know, he's just, he's an important cautionary tale for not just supporters of the U.S. men's national team, but I think probably particularly in terms of kind of the hype about a young player and given that he's both a now u.s national and well you know u.s national team member and also an arsenal prospect i had similar fears of gideon zalalem kind of disappearing into obscurity um he's been kind of a perennial loney and has recently switched from scotland to holland but uh even though he's only 20 i'm i'm just I'm just nervous. Just nervous that he's going to pull in a do. But adieu to adieu. Good luck to you wherever you may end up. Yeah, I mean, his... Man, that... I mean, just looking at the clubs he played for. So he did, you know, DC United for three seasons. Then Real Salt Lake for one year. Then, you know, moved over to Benfica. But went on loan to Monaco, Balanesis, Aris... Uh, Risa Spore, then back to Philadelphia, then did a short stint at uh, Baja or Bahia, then Jagodina, where he didn't even play a game uh, in Serbia, uh, played in Finland for a handful of games, and then played for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Are the Rowdies NASL or USL? Uh, I don't, I don't even NASL. Know. Okay. Yeah. That's too bad. Although oh, they will join the USL next year, but they clearly jettisoned to do before they decided yeah. to do Man, oh, man. Yeah, that oh, is... boy. That's sad. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough fall from grace, but it's hard when, you know, you're you have such – expectation foisted upon you at such a young age yeah that is true i'm gonna talk about lord bentner oh god uh apparently um nottingham forest wanted to uh get rid of him during the january transfer window uh they were unable to find anyone who wanted to take him oh woof and um they just felt like it was too much money to buy him out. So he's stuck. Oh, man. The greatest striker to ever live. Oh, yeah. I mean, I there was a point where he was, you know, pretty hyped. I mean, he was really good when he had his loan spell at Birmingham. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's showed flashes of brilliance in terms of his raw talent, but I don't think that he's ever showed anything vaguely close to brilliance in terms of either his managing of his career or even his, you know, commitment to the game. No. 
And I mean, yeah, he's, he's his, just and his goal scoring record isn't that good either. No, it's really not. It, he he's an extremely talented egomaniac. Speaking speaking of the dangers of being highly touted and hyped from a young age. Yeah, I mean, I would say that he's done well for the Danish national team. He's got twenty nine goals and seventy four caps. That's not too shabby. Yeah. No, yeah. Three of which came against the U.S. Mm-hmm. <laughs> true that, true that. Okay, with that, we'll say goodbye. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norin, Polly is P, Costello WFAN, and bleh, Elliot is Keats was better. <laughs> and then give Foundrex Sports a follow as well. And we'll talk to you after the weekend. Until then, enjoy the games and talk to you soon. Bye. Come <laughs> on.